title of my sermon today is Infinite Possibility. You know, when I was young, growing up, we would go on holiday tours. I'm so jealous because some of you have been going already. I saw your photos. Um, but we would like go on a tour with a tour group and there'll be a fixed itinerary, right? You will have to see 10,000 10, uh, tourist attraction within 10 days, right? And uh, they'll bring you to the, the, the attraction and then make you take photo and then they're off to the jewelry shop. Then they take photo at the next, next attraction and they're off to the traditional herbal medicine shop. Uh, take photo and then let's go to the traditional handicraft. You know, there's always this fillers in the middle, which is I think the timing is kind of wrong. They give us more time. They should give us more time at the, the, the tourist site than at the handicraft shop. But it's always the other way around. Right? And it's always like, kind of stressful because, you know, we're kids. Right? We're younger. We're not that old yet. And my mom has to like, get three kids ready and the bus leaves at 630 I'm like, man, we haven't even had breakfast. You're going to go into the tour bus. And then you go on a journey, drive, and you get to the place. And, this, and then you go through like five days of whirlwind storm, and then you leave the place. You've seen everything but not experienced anything. So after growing up, we're like, that's not a great idea. We're like, we, we don't really want to follow a fixed itinerary in our travels. And of course, as you grow older, you have more control. You can rent cars. You can drive. But one of the most exciting things for Tiffany and I, whenever we visit a new country, is the supermarket. I know there's some of you who are like me, Melvin. All right, so we go to the supermarket and we're like, just like, that's the first thing we do when you arrive in a country. You know why? Because in a supermarket, you understand the people. Well, you understand the culture. I remember the first time we were there, we went to uh, Finland, Helsinki. This is one of the supermarkets. And we went to the supermarket, and it was like so interesting because everything inside is new, and everything is written in a language we don't understand. And then uh, that time when we went, uh, Google Translate was okay, right? So we took out our phone, and we just took a picture. Oh, okay, what this is. And we just looked, and we explored, and we realized something, like... Everywhere in the world, you will find cheese. No matter where you go, you will find cheese. And, so, and then we wonder how people ate their cheese. And so I went to one of the guys who seemed seem more friendly, because Finnish guys are a bit... My classmates who are Finnish guys, they always look very like, serious, but they're not. They look serious, and they speak serious. And then I went to him, and I like, speak English? He said, of course. <laughs> I just did the stupid thing, right? And, and, and I was asking him, so how do you eat your cheese, right? And he would share it with me. Then I realized that, like the Chinese, the Italians are very powerful. We don't conquer by warfare. We don't conquer by anything, by food. And so he said, the staple of Finnish food is pizza. I'm like, but what do you eat? Oh, Thai food. I'm like, but what do you like? Your original. Oh, 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 reindeer stew. Okay, that's like Rudolph, right? <laughs> and so we got, and I said, show me reindeer meat. And then we brought me to the butcher. We saw reindeer meat. I'm like, oh, it looks same. <laughs> I can't really tell the difference. Um, but so it was really interesting. And you understand the culture. And we realized one of the key things is it's very expensive. 
Just like a little thing. I was like, how much is that? Eight euros. <coughs> what? And, and then as we got to know the place more, and we, we went to the supermarket almost every day because we have to buy supplies, because it's so expensive to eat out. A burger and a, and a drink and a small fry is 14 euro. We're like, I, that's not enough for me. All right? And so, and then, but we found out that people actually eat big meals, but they eat it once a day. So everywhere we go in Helsinki, uh, they will have buffets. And it's not expensive. And a lot of people would, and the buffet goes all the way to about 3 p.m. And people will be eating there, and then they kind of have really light dinner, a salad or something. It's a really healthy lifestyle there. But you understand the culture. You understand the people, you immerse, you almost feel like you're a local. In fact, that's what I love most is when you travel and you have a local person that you know and you bring you to the local places. Just like when people come to Singapore. I told you, right? I have different tour packages, the James Town tour packages. And the most uh, popular recent years before the pandemic was the Crazy Rich Asian uh, tour package. They didn't realize it was not all filmed here. So they want to see all the sites. They're like, someday I'm not here. Someday in Malaysia. All right? And then but they, they go and see, they go and they want to eat at Newton, Hawker Center. Not the best, but well, it's the tour package. So my friends come and I'll bring them there. A local person will then bring you to a really awesome food that they like, like Short Street Tao Hui, that only a lot of people, local people know and go there at one time. Local travel is better than tour packages, fixed itinerary, to know exactly what's going to happen, but you don't get to experience how it is. Why am I talking about this? Because I'm talking about how, as Christians, we have daily routines. We have daily routines. We, we know what we want to, how we, we want to live our lives. We know this is how we go to work. And this is how we, we function. This is what we, we eat for breakfast. This is the shop I buy my morning drink, be it Milo, coffee or tea, whatever it is. And then you go to work and then, and then and you come home and then Saturday you come to church and that was disrupted. Our whole routine got kicked out of its place. And then we established over the past two years a new routine which we've gotten used to. The question I'm asking to you today is, where is your routine leading you? Because routine will build muscle memory, becomes a habit, and when a group of people with a certain kind of habit come together, it becomes a culture. So last week, our clock broke down. Uh, and if you don't realize, I checked to see when I should go and step down from the stage because time is almost up. It didn't work last week. It stayed at 11 o'clock. And I was like, oh dear. Right? And uh, because you wear a mask now, I can't sense your angst toward me <laughs> if I go over time. But amazingly, I preached, and then I sat down, and I checked my, my, my phone. It was on the dot, 12 o'clock. The muscle memory of fear has been built into me to know when I should go, right? But this is the thing. If you do it day after day, day after day, day after day, do it again and again and again and again, it becomes a part of you. It becomes your reflex. You don't think about it, but you do it. So culture is formed when a lot of us have the same kind of similar kind of routine, similar kind of habit, and we come together and do things together. And ASDEC has worked hard for many years to build an ASDEC culture. 
a little bit different from other churches around in Singapore, especially other Adventist churches. But the last two years has kind of sucked it out a little bit from us. It stretched the tendon. Yeah? It took it away, and then we're not so used to how the culture is. We're not so familiar with one another, and there's still many things that are still missing in terms of our gatherings today. But what are things that we need to remember? What are things we need to get back? And what are the things we should let go given the opportunity now? What is the culture of that they want to form? And it starts from you. What is your culture? What's your personal culture? We call that habits. We call that lifestyle. What's your family culture? You don't realize how much your family way of functioning affects you. One of the beautiful things that my parents did, which was, I know was not easy for them, was they, have, they made a decision early on in their marriage to never discuss church in front of their kids until we're old enough. Because when you discuss church, we know it's not always positive. So they never talk about church in a, a bad light in front of us. So we grew up never, we grew up liking the church. Right? We're loving the church. And until then, when we got to the point where we could reason and understand better, they started telling us the good things first what church is good for. And after school, after we got more mature, they started to tell us the other side of what church is. And we were given a chance to make decisions and understand the reality of what church is so that we would not be shocked and surprised when you see certain things happening in the church. Until today, I appreciate that. And in fact, I made the decision with my wife for Lucas. As much as possible, not to discuss church in front of our kids. Church should be about God not about the people who comes to church. If you go around Singapore, you see this once in a while, and if you hear it, it means you're going to suffer for a few years. The tung, tung, tung is very on time. Very. Eight o'clock. Tung, tung, all the way to six o'clock. Tung, tung, tung. And then you start not hearing it, not because it stopped, but your mind filters it out because it's always at the back. And if you live in Singapore long enough, you just filter it out totally because it's all around you, everywhere, especially these few years. In fact, it's going to start, we're going to start hearing it in Nasdaq because it's just down the road. It's going to start, ding, Mount Pleasant, 5,000 units. Oh my goodness. There's a lot of piling happening. But the good thing about piling is that I was walking with Tiffany around and uh, I was telling her, this, this, the Singapore ground is very good. It is soft enough for us to pile, your son's not here today, eh? to pile Deep, but it's hard enough to hold it. So some countries have the ground where it's hard, but it's too hard. Where it's just all granite, so you, can, you just can't go too deep because you kill the machines. But there's some countries where, but in the opposite, it's too soft. You go straight down, but you can't hold the, the, the pillars. Right? Singapore's ground is really awesome, so you can build really high building, and most of our ground is flat. Right? So we have a HDB that's generally taller than most other countries. See, being a pastor is not easy. You've got to study architecture. It's for fun. But the thing is, these foundations, there's a certain number of it that you need in order to build a certain number of levels up and a certain number of depth they need to go. And each pillar has its place. Each foundation that's being piled down is important. Because once you notice, once the piling finish, it's like Lego. And they just build the building up real quick. They spend most of the time building and building, building the foundation. Each pillar counts. 
The same with our Christian life. We have pillars that grounds us and could be good pillars or could be problematic pillars. And you don't know that over the years of doing things again and again and again and again and again, you've driven it deep, 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 deep into the foundation of your life. And those pillars are what you have built your life upon. Who you are today is not divorced from who you are growing up. It's connected. In fact, who you are growing up forms the pillar, the foundation of who you are today. But it's very often neglected because we will live through life, we we'll go through life, and we just ignore those things, and you don't realize that those things are affecting how you're reacting to life as a whole. So today I'm to ask you to pause and think, what are the things that's forming me? What are the things that's who I am, that I'm doing, that's become part of my life, my culture, my lifestyle, my habits, that's a part of the greater family that I'm a part of. There's a way I function with my family members, with my relatives, that I, there's a role I play. And on top of that, the role I play in my society, my church, you've, ch- you've unknowingly chosen a role and you're playing it till today. Why are you playing that role? Why? And should it change? Can it change? good to reflect. So let's go into the scripture and seek God's comments upon humanity and life. I'm right, right now writing a, a series of Bible study guide called God, Expert of Life. Very often we go to the Bible and I try to argue with God. I think I'm on an equal footing as God. But I've broken down, of course, following the 28 fundamentals, broken down on how God has a say in that area of my life because he's the expert. But the problem is I don't understand technical languages, so I may not understand his expert instruction. If you go and get your car serviced, there are times when your mechanic gets carried away and he'll say things, and you're like, what are you talking about? Because he's the expert, but he may not be able to communicate the way that you understand. And so the study I'm, trying to, I'm writing is about how we can understand that God is the expert. Then the reaction of those who are non-expert to understand first, and then to submit to his expertise. As Exodus, as we go through the journey, the new journey out of Egypt, I think there's a lot of lessons for us learning today as we walk with the uh, the Israelites and some Egyptians as they leave Egypt towards Canaan in this transformational journey when they transition from slaves to prince and princesses. But it starts with this story. Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. We know the Red Sea story. Lucas knows the Red Sea story. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. Or Shur. They went three days into the wilderness. And guess what? They found no water. Verse 23. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. I love how direct the Israelites were. This water is bitter. It's called bitter. Obviously, right? And the people grumbled against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log, a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, 
And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the disease on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. A lot of people will quote this verse about God not putting the disease of the Egyptians on his people because and tag it to the health message. I'm not saying the health message is wrong, but that's not where it came from. This is the first time it appeared. It's here. The promise started here. And the test was not whether what you eat or what you drink or how you live your life, but the very important thing is, is whether you will submit to God. And it's not easy. Humans have been taught to take ownership of their life. Humans have been taught from young that you're the expert of your life. And now to say you're not, it's not easy. But let us take a step back. When did this happen? Three days. Three days after crossing the Red Sea. It's like, if there's any crazy things that happen in your life, is walking across the Red Sea, water divided, Pharaoh's army destroyed, and indeed, they were excited. They sang a song. It's called the Song of Moses. They spent the start of chapter 15 was all about the song. They praised him. And Miriam, his sister, sang a duet with Moses. It was this awesome celebration of God delivering. They walked across the water. Praise God. It's easy to praise God when you see these huge and awesome miracles in your life, isn't it? Easy. Who wouldn't? Craziness just happened and God performed it. And you're like, God, you're good. But this story tells us how quickly and how easily life gets to us. Three days. Walk, 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 walk. I'm thirsty. No water. Hey, we found water. Hey, he's bitter. God! How quickly they forgot. How quickly it is for humans to complain, to grumble, as soon as things don't go our way. And it mind you, it's not the big things usually. It's the little things. The day-to-day grind of life is what will tear you down. It's what will wear you out. It's what will take away your faith. It's that day after day after day, the little thing here and there and there and there. You know, little things are really annoying if it happens constantly. My neighbors upstairs, who I have learned to love because God said to love them. <laughs> I don't choose to love them. It's not easy. I told you, they have interesting habits at 11 p.m. at night. Dragging furniture. <coughs> Shower and singing. Mike, yeah, I can hear it. Playing drums. Although I think he try, he's trying because it's electric drum. But the goes through the wall all the way to my bed. And then you hear that. It's done. Or one o'clock. 
bro, can you do it in the morning? Oh, did you hear it? I think the whole block did, dude. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 4 a.m. Chuk, 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 chuk. Bro, you made chili party last night. Eh, how you know, huh? <sighs> brother, brother. Share, share some. At least I don't get so angry with you. These are things. He didn't, like, kick down my door. He didn't, like, pour paint on my, on, my, on my door. He didn't punch my face. Little things, day to day. But the piling, annoying. You can build up resentment, anger, hate. I want to kill the guy upstairs, man. Little things. And there's it in our relationship with God. More often than not, when you're faced with a big challenge, instead of running away from God because you have no other ways of fixing it, you cling on to God. You pray, say, God, deliver me. But it's in those little things, little annoyances, lady life, inconveniences, that you slowly shift it little bit by little bit, little bit by little bit, away from God. Three days, and you start complaining. But mind you, the little clues that, that was put into these verses by Moses, because Moses probably wrote Exodus, he put it there to give us hints of different things. Just, just look at it. So the people complain, what should we drink? <laughs> God can just like open clouds and psh, pour water, right? Um, no. And he says, hey, the Lord showed him a log, right? Show him a log. Many things in this just one, one sentence. God showed him a log. In the wilderness, a log grows where? Near water. Not a stick, it's a log. Showed him. It was there all along. Moses didn't see it. People didn't see it. It's a hint that water is nearby. Sometimes we get so distracted by the first discouragement or first obstacle or first thing that's negative in the path, we miss the thing that is just next to it. Because you get so caught up. This water is bitter. Oh, wait. There's Mountain Dew over there. This guy got so caught up. Why is this water bitter? Because it's not what God wants for you. You just happen to pass by. In fact, that's what the verse said. Verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. There was so much water where they were supposed to go, they could stay there and He provided for all Israel. Distractions. Before you reach the, way, the place that God's supposed to bring you to, that you get distracted and you turn away from the journey where you're supposed to go. God was bringing them to the place of the 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They got distracted because they felt thirsty and God's going to kill us. There's no water to drink. Or oh, here's some temporary fix and it's bitter. We're dead. So easy in our day-to-day lives to be distracted by the little things that Satan just throw in your way and you get thrown off course. you miss that at the end there's 12 springs of water 70 palm trees 
big enough for you to encamp there? Are you missing out on the blessings in life because you got distracted just before it? And you have waited, patient, hang on. You've gotten there. See, friends, it's the small things in life that reveals your walk with God. Nobody will blame you for being angry with God in big crises and challenges. Nobody will blame you. It's normal. It's emotion. Nobody will blame you for struggling and saying, God, are you there when you're, you're, you're sitting in a boat that's sinking? That's okay. Nobody will blame you. Because it's difficult. It's challenging and God understands. But then it's the little things, the small things in life, the small action, the small attitude, the small ways of choosing that will affect and reveals who you are in your walk with Jesus. How are you walking with God? And I love the fact that God didn't give me an itinerary for life. Maybe He knows, but I'm glad I don't know. People say, if God knows, then then your future is fixed to what He wants you to do. I say, no, because I don't know. If I know and He knows, everybody knows, then yeah, life is sad. But in this infinite possibility I have, God has given me options to choose from. And it may be a certain way is better than another way, whatever it is, but God has given me choice. People say, if you are limited with your choice, you don't have a choice. I don't think that's true. Like as a father, I would not place before my son carrots, eggplant, lady's finger, <laughs> and red poison. Would that be a good choice, options for my son? Of course you have to remove the lady's finger now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course you have to remove the red poison, right? Because that's not a real choice. It's death. He may unwisely choose the green long finger-like vegetable but it's healthy and yummy to some not me eggplant i used to hate it but now i love it carrots good for the eyes that's choice but then who told you you could only eat one of them why can't he eat carrot fried with brinjal, sprinkled with lady's finger? Who told you he couldn't eat carrot with eggplant? Who told you he couldn't eat one each day and then combine? That's infinite combination within the three options that I've given to him. That's a real choice. That's real freedom. Because if one of the choices ends all choices from then on, that's not freedom. That's death. So within God's infinite wisdom of our life, we have infinite possibility to choose how we want to live our lives. How are you choosing to live your life? A very important thing to ask yourself as you live day to day, and as people living in the city in Singapore, in a scientific, modernized world, we live not expecting to experience God's providence and miracles. We expect life to go in a way that we have to 
prepare and we have everything has to be explained and there has to be something that we need to work towards, then you get to a certain way of life. You don't expect God to come through in a way that's unexpected because we don't want it. People always ask me, why do we always hear miracle stories in, in mission fields and not in, in the cities that we live in? Is it because people there are stupid? Mind you, a lot of these mission stories come from trained doctors who spend 15, 16 years of their life training in high, the highest form of education in our civilized world before going there. And they don't make stupid decisions and observations. Don't just think people who are not living in the way you live are stupid. If you go there and they ask you to survive by yourself for three days, you are stupid. Why do we hear things happen in places that we we don't experience ourselves because maybe we don't want it. Maybe we don't expect it. Maybe it happened. You missed it. And the even more important aspect, are you allowing God to provide and perform miracles? Maybe God wants to, but God won't force it to, to, for you to experience it. He won't. He loves you too much to do that. Are you allowing God to work? Are you putting yourself in a situation where you, God can work? If you're so safe, you play it so safe in your life, there's no need for God because it's safe. But sometimes you may need to do something that's a little bit stretched and beyond what you're used to and comfortable with for God to do His part. For you to learn to swim, you can watch all the YouTube you want. You can even go to a swimming pool and practice by the poolside. Perfect your stroke. Go for a virtual Zoom session with Joseph Schooling, you will still not swim until you jump into the water. Then you realize, ah, kicking is not easy. Now there's water obstruction. Oh, breathing is not easy. My arm blocks my mouth. I can't breathe. Lifting my neck is wrong. You kind of get a water splash in my face when I'm trying to do butterfly stroke. Oh, butterfly stroke looks so easy for schooling, but I can't get my head out of the water. You need to get in there. Experience it. So the question asking you, that I'm asking you today is, are you willing to journey with God into the unknown? But the unknown allows you to experience this infinite possibility of God coming through and working and you experiencing the miracle. Will that be willing to venture beyond our comfort zone? We get a new start this year. New identity, new land ownership. We're voting today, tomorrow, new leadership. What are we going to do? Same old, same old? Or are we going to go beyond our comfort zone, go beyond what we're used to, build day-to-day -day routines that's different from how we've lived our lives, create a culture that challenges the way we were, to not be confident in our own efforts and our own programs and history past, to not just sit there and just think this is enough, to want more, desire more, and ask God to perform His miracle. People keep asking me, James, how can we make the church in Singapore grow? I say, we cannot make it grow, but we can allow it to grow. We have to stop relying on our own effort, but let God's Spirit do the work, and we start partnering with Him. But the thing is, when the Spirit works, it's usually quite crazy, uncomfortable. 
Love the neighbor who Annoying, eh? I got two of them, by the way. Both on sixth floor. Don't know why. Why must all move upstairs? Eh? Uncomfortable. And the other day, I was just telling my wife, I told you, right? I, I, there's the other neighbor who kind of like was really mean to my wife. And I've always met him, but my wife has not encountered him because he avoided us out of shame and guilt, I think. And um, the other day, it happened. He didn't see us. And as we come, he stopped the leaf door for us. Lo and behold, it was my family. You could see his face. <laughs> then he shuffled. Then I walked in first with my wife and kids. And they didn't recognize him much anymore. So Lucas smiled at him. The kid he tried to throw a chair at. And he didn't know how to react. And I just, thanks for holding the lift. And he was like, not comfortable. In my heart, I didn't want to smile at him. I wanted to push him. <laughs> just being honest. I wanted to trip him so he'll fall. It's not normal. As my youth, my teens this morning saw the book I, that's in my shelf. It's weird. It's abnormal at times. Because the world's normal is not what we want to aim for. So now the news. Some of you already know. Many of you have heard. So I'm making crazy moves too. So I told you about Francis Chan who moved to Hong Kong in the midst of the protest, in the midst of all the craziness, crackdown. So the other day, I was sitting on my chair, I was, reading, I was writing my paper for my doctorate, one of my last papers for this year, and the question came, what are you doing to challenge yourself to move out of your comfort zone? I paused and said, I don't know. Start after pandemic, we start ASDAQ, do something different, challenge myself. A call came. During that pause, one minute. So a call came, said, would you go to China? They do what? Arrested by, <clears throat> we should not mention names online. They say, no, do more. I can't tell you too much online. But I've accepted a position to train and prepare next generation leaders for the church. I'm not that old, but I'm older. There's a bunch of 20s who have never had the opportunity to receive trainings that I have had the privilege to. They don't speak much English. Uh, I speak Chinese, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mandarin and Cantonese. So they say, would you go and train them? I didn't want to. So I had a, I had a clause out. Tiffany hates Hong Kong. She does. She still hates Hong Kong. So if Tiffany say no, then no more. No chance. All right? I love my wife so much, God. It can't happen. I remember I say, hey, guess what? Go call, go go based in Hong Kong. I was waiting for her to say, no, cannot lah. I was waiting. Then she said, oh, let's pray. <laughs> Don't pray lah. Prayed. She asked me more questions. I answered more questions. She said, maybe. Your only correct answer was no. Maybe. We prayed. More questions, more clarification. 
my way out was gone. She said, yeah, let's go. God says go. Then, of course, other things came, and I had to clarify and check. So I've accepted the role, and I'll be leaving in March. That's my routine. Every 10 years, God makes me move. I don't like it. I hate it. Because I don't move houses. I move countries. Tenure is up. Before I came back to SDA, I told God, I'll give Singapore 10 years. God is so punctual. And so, as that we're going through a transition. Uh, I think God is saying, enough of you, James, in Nasdaq. I don't know who's next. It's at the beginning of that journey. But I believe whoever comes should be brought by God. We'll be brought by God, and God will bring Nasdaq somewhere beyond what I can give. And when I came, it was new, and then we spent almost a decade together already. Some of you I knew from youth, young adults, marriage, kids. So crazy. And so, that's the crazy thing God is asking me to do. Get out of my comfort zone. What's God asking you to do? What's God challenging you to do that you're still struggling with? So let us go into this future with infinite possibilities that God has prepared for all of us to experience that together. bombshell of an announcement. We're going to sing this song quite differently. I'm pressing on the upward way New heights I'm gaining every day Still praying as I'm onward bound Lord, plant my feet on higher ground Lord, lift me up and let me stand By faith on heaven's table land A higher plane that I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me stand by faith on heaven's table and a higher 
plain that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, I will sail the utmost heights and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hug me up and let me stand. Faith on heaven's stable land. A higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Let's pray. Father Lord, may we not be satisfied with the comfortable. May we not be satisfied with the daily routines we've established, but to climb higher and explore and experience the infinite possibilities you've prepared for us. To journey with you, not just in the big and amazing part, but daily, you know, step by step as we walk with you, that every step we take will be a walk with Jesus. May you bless us and keep us on this Sabbath day. Grant us your peace. Lead us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.